You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Man, it feels like it has been forever since we have done a show. And we don't even look the same. No. You look all tanned. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason is because it has been forever since we've done a show. Because, you know, as you know, I don't think our listeners knew this, but as you know, um, I just got back from a month with my family uh, touring the West in our fifth wheel and just seeing as many national parks as we could find and chance just to hang out with the kids and my wife and you know different place every day almost I mean it was just a fantastic trip but what was interesting is you know you get let, let me set the scenario for you Shannon okay okay so you get first of all let me just say to you on behalf of all the listeners good for you for being a role model for us and in, in, in like exemplifying what it means to disconnect from your daily life and your world and work and connecting with your wife and your kids. Yeah, and it was for a month. It was so. Yeah, this was a culmination of a lot of work that that we've been working towards for years. And so it was really. I know that when I met you a couple years ago, you were saying that that was one of your dreams. Yeah. That was one of your fantasies. And so glad you made it come true. It was so great. Um, But the interesting thing is, so you got four weeks together. We're in a fifth wheel. It's a 32-foot fifth wheel. Uh, there's bunk beds in the back for the kids, our room's up front. And, you know, so naturally things are going to occur if we're together for a week, you know, for weeks on an end. And mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to try to figure out how do you have sex when you're <laughs> in, in something that's on wheels? <laughs> <laughs> because we had one morning where both the kids, Pam was cracking up because she was all, um, the kids were asking me at breakfast. Um, why was the camper shaking last night? <laughs> and she just I had the we're, smile. We're the best, dear. Yeah. This is earthquake well, country. Well, they were just, they just said, they're like, was it windy? Or, you know, they're asking these questions. And then finally it dawned on our oldest. I know what was going on. If the trailer's rocking, yes, don't come and knock it. <laughs> but it's just one of those, it, it really is interesting because you get extended. It's vacation sex, but you can't just go wild. You know, because right. you're in a camper, and so gotta keep it down. But it's still that's just one of the the anomalies of what happens when you get adventures. It seems. That... But how great though that you weren't afraid of being discovered necessarily. Oh, absolutely. Like, you let that dampen your fun. Because here's the thing: if you had memories of your parents rocking the camper <laughs> on a month long trip way back when you, from when you were a kid. Wouldn't that just kind of make you feel good that yeah, your parents loved each yeah, other like that? Yeah, you got to look back on that, I would hope, as you grow and mature and say, I'm so glad they had advantages. They took advantage of stuff like that. And that they, yeah. that they, and, and that's just it. We don't shy away. I mean, you guys, if you're a regular to Sex and Marriage Radio, you know that. We don't really shy away from a lot of topics. Mm-mm. And I don't do that with my kids either. We talk about things they know. And it's so funny because my, my son, who's eight, he just terms it all, oh, you were smooching on mama, weren't you? I said, well, yeah, that was going on too. And, um, you know, so, but it's just this idea that we want to be, we want to live life out loud. And, and, and that's part of what we got a chance to do for a month is just see a lot of things. And it was fantastic because this gives me just kind of a, a recharge for what we do here and, and, yeah. for, and for our jobs and for Sexy Marriage Radio. And if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, which I saw several emails as we were gone, of, of new listeners. Welcome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. glad you're here. And 
we want to hear from you. And so send those emails to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, give us any kind of review and comments because that still continues to help us climb the charts and spread the word because we still firmly believe married sex is the hotbed for sex. And, and we want it to be as best as it can possibly be in your relationship. Yeah. And I love hearing how many of those new listeners are officially binge listeners now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're like Lay's potato chips. You can't just listen to one episode. Hey, and that's funny, you know, because yeah. we had we had Lay's potato chips on the trip a lot and they were in the <laughs> truck. And so it's just that whole you can't eat just one. I know. And so anytime one of us would reach for the bag, that comment was quickly to follow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad that the reality even exceeded the fantasy, it sounds like. It really I did, because that's one of those, you know, if you're working so hard for something for a long time, it's really hard to have it live up to what you have in your mind. And, right. And so we had a, that hunt of the entire trip, you know, it was over 4,400 miles that we drove and like seven or eight national parks and, you know, just some of the, some of the great God's country. Um, wow. Utah, Arizona, all of that. And then Vegas, which is not God's country. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was one of those, I think it, 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 it spoke to both of us as people and who we've become on just the ability to just really relax and enjoy things as they unfold and put less on, oh, I, I hope it's this, I hope it's that. So we've gotten to where we can kind of slow ourselves down. And cool. I think and enjoy that, the present. Right. And isn't that kind of what our main advice is to people when it comes to their sex life is sometimes you just need to slow yourself down. Yeah. Slow down and savor. Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, I wanted to bring up a topic today that has kind of been brewing over the past month since you've been gone. Right. We, we heard from one of the listeners who uh, reached out via email at first and had some concerns, quite mm -hmm. honestly, about my perspective on fantasy and challenged me in a very loving way to reconsider, you know, how this was being presented. And so I invited her to have a telephone conversation with me because I felt as if, you know, to have these conversations back and forth via email just really doesn't do the topic justice. Right. So we finally got to talk and uh, talk for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And I got to just kind of pick her brain a little bit about why this was such a sensitive topic for her. And what I gleaned from the conversation, I asked her if she'd be willing to just let me do a whole show on the lessons that she has learned as a result of her experiences. She's quite flattered. I'm obviously going to change her name, change tidbits right. of her identity just right. to protect the innocent here. Uh, but I'm so grateful that we have listeners who are so passionate about everybody else that they are willing to humble themselves and be vulnerable and say, this is how badly I screwed up my life. And if anybody else can learn from my mistakes, then share it. Okay. So I want to tell you about these, this conversation that I had with, I'm going to call her Margie. Okay. Okay. So, um, Margie's main concern with the way that I was presenting fantasy is that she felt as if I, I should not be encouraging people to entertain thoughts of anyone or anything outside of your marriage partner, which, right. you know, that's, that's a great concept to think that as human beings, we can only have eyes and thoughts for our marriage partner. Right. And I'm not being prescriptive in that. I'm not saying you should. I'm merely being descriptive in saying that by human nature, our thoughts rarely ever color that neatly inside the lines. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And, and, and just not to panic when your thoughts color outside the lines, because just because the thought rolls through your head and creates a feeling that results in energy 
it doesn't mean that you have to go out and act that out. It doesn't mean that that's even what you really want. It, it's just a way to harness the energy. If you channel that energy into your marriage relationship, that's what it means to right. take a thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Right. However, Margie had had experience with a particular fantasy that led her down a very dark path that led to a lot of destruction in her life. Okay. So here's the scenario. She grows up in a very critical home. Her dad doesn't have a lot of positive things to say to her. And then she marries a guy who basically, in essence, picked up where her dad left off. Sure. Continuing that conversation. Sure. And you can see how you gravitate toward the familiar, how she would gravitate toward a guy yep. who, within a short amount of time, is very critical of her. Yep. And one of the things he was critical of is that I think that it was he didn't want her to work, so she didn't have anything to do with her time. So she wound up just watching soap operas and reading romance novels, but he didn't approve of that and just belittled her and made her feel very bad for not having more purpose in her life or whatever. So this went on for a while and then Margie decided she wants to go to work, but she can, she noticed that she continued to have this recurring fantasy where the theme is that someone was noticing positive attributes in her and was very complimentary and affirming. Well, isn't that what we've been talking about? How sexual fantasies are really just your brain's way of trying to heal itself right. from it's the past trauma. Yeah, it's the brain saying, I want that. I want that because I haven't had it. Exactly. And I'm getting the opposite of that and it hurts. So maybe the opposite would help. So yeah, she starts um, noticing this fantasy is just very common. It, but this is where she stepped a toe over the line, in my opinion. There was a male coworker that started lauding a compliment or lauding compliments on her and affirming her and making her feel really good about herself for the first time. Right. And she allowed that relationship to turn sexual because it just met, it met such, and I'm not trying to justify it and she's no, not either, Sure. but it met such a deep psychological need in her that she felt such a strong emotional bond to that man that it turned sexual. But of course there was guilt, there was remorse, there was a regret, there was fear, there was anxiety. She learned that she was actually not the only woman that he was this way with. So it, it exploded in her face, but she can't say that she learned, totally learned her lesson that one time. Okay. So it wasn't long thereafter until a female coworker and her formed a friendship bond through all the hours of working together. This female coworker admitted to her that she's lesbian. They started spending more and more time together and Margie confessed to this lesbian coworker that, yeah, I've kind of developed a crush on you. So she began projecting her fantasy onto this specific person Okay. of she makes me feel good about myself. She thinks that I'm all that in a bag of chips. She feels safe and good in my presence and I feel safe and good in her presence. She wound up leaving her husband for this other woman. She said that the image of her five children begging her not to leave her youngest sitting in a chair that was way too big for him and the look on his face of just confusion and bewilderment and anxiety and tearfully begging her, mommy, please don't leave. And she said, Shannon, I turned around and I left. Mm -hmm. I let the fantasy lead me down a path that I never in a million years thought that I could go. Mm -hmm. So that was one of her messages 
that she wanted us to communicate to our listeners is that when you obsess over a fantasy, it can lead you in a direction that you never thought you'd go, that we're all capable of anything. Right. We think about it and obsess over it long enough. Yeah, anything's capable of consuming us if we stay around it long enough. Yeah. And so her experience in this relationship was an absolute nightmare that over time, this woman became very depressed. She became suicidal. She lost her job. Margie wound up having to financially provide for them both. And the cool ending to this story is that after multiple years of that, and then years of trying to heal from that relationship, her and her husband are actually back together. They're actually remarried. Right. God did a total miracle right. in both of their hearts and lives toward one another. And so I asked her, I said, now let me ask you the question, Margie, is the fact that you had the fantasy in the first place really the problem? Because to me, that fantasy was raving a red flag to her saying, there's something missing in your marriage right. and in your life. And if you don't get it, if you don't teach your husband how to treat you properly, you're going to be starving to death and you're going to become vulnerable. And in fact, that's what happened is she never, she never communicated that fantasy to her husband. She never stood up to him and said, your criticism of me is tearing me down to a right. nub. Um, and that the mistake that she made wasn't having the fantasy. The fantasy served a role to call her attention to what was really going on and to let her know what she needed. But where she stuck the toe over the line was when she started projecting that onto specific people. Mm -hmm. That is where, and so that's why I say that to entertain a sexual fantasy, there's no harm, no foul in that. But when you start assigning your boss's face, or a coworker's face, or a pastor's face, or your neighbor's face, or whoever onto that fantasy, that's where you cross a line. Okay. But if you just focus on the roles of what's happening in this fantasy, what is someone doing to me? What am I doing in response? What is the dynamic here? What, what theme is recurrent throughout my fantasies? If you will look at, at how that is most likely a mirror image of whatever pain you've been experiencing in your life and in your relationships. It's there for a reason. It's there to teach you right. what you need right. in your marriage relationship. So don't ignore it. Don't stuff it. Don't repress it. Examine it, study it, communicate about it. Cause that was another thing. She said, I kept it secret from my husband that I had this fantasy. And then when she started assigning faces to it, she of course kept it secret, but Talk about it. Mm -hmm. Talk about it in your marriage relationship and what it represents and what it really means to you. And what would it mean to you if someone started paying more attention to you? What would it mean to you if your spouse started paying positive attention to you instead of negative attention, et cetera, et cetera. So again, I just want to say a great big thank you to Margie, which yeah. is not her real name, but she totally knows who she is. Yeah. And I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Well, I think out there I mean, what you're talking real. about, yeah, what you're talking about is look for the meaning of what's underneath it. What does it represent? Right? It's not the facts of it. It's look for the meaning of it. And it's certainly not specific people that if, if you find yourself gravitating toward thoughts of a specific person, all you're doing is projecting that image onto they're, they're basically no different than a screen. Right. And, and I've used this analogy before. But if you walk into a room and your teenage son is projecting a pornographic film onto a screen, are you going to get mad at the screen? No, you have to look at what is this really all about for him? What are these images saying to him? Why does he feel this need? But the screen has nothing to do with it. 
Well, the people who show up in our fantasies are nothing more than screen holders. That's okay. all that they are. So okay. when we start thinking, oh, but I'm feeling an attraction toward my boss or toward my girlfriend or whatever. No, you're not. You're, you're craving something that's missing. And if you dismiss the individuals as merely screen holders and you look at what's being projected and why, this is about you. Right. This is about you. Right. Yeah, there, Take there's ownership of that. There's a story unfolding. About right. There's a story yes. unfolding that you need to figure out your role in that story. Yes. Figure out your role, figure out their role, ask yourself, what is it that I really need and how would that need being fulfilled make me feel? And why does that seem like such an elixir to my soul? Okay. So let me and ask chances you, chances are it does have a lot to do with your childhood wounds. Probably. So let me ask you a question then, Shannon, based on this okay. conversation okay. that it, so I, I could completely envision we have a listener out there, probably multiple that is hearing this and going, you know what? That's me. I've got, I've got this fantasy. I've got this recurring thing that keeps coming up. It's keep kind of a thorn in my side. I cannot get rid of it. And I am petrified to bring it up to my spouse. Who, who, what, what do we do with that? Sometimes it's good to unpack it with a counselor yep. or a coach first, because if someone can help you make sense of it, then you're not dumping it in your spouse's lap expecting them to have all the answers right because they're not going to know what you are the only one who can solve your own mystery sure you're the only one who can decipher this code and so yeah i immediately think of the girl who came to me saying that she struggles with lesbian fantasies even though she was married had a kid come to find out when she was 14 her 11 year old sister was killed in a in a house fire she had never gotten any sort of counseling for that so for her to make the, to the observation that her lesbian fantasies are really just about a longing for female intimacy that was robbed from her because of her sister's death and her mother shutting down as a result, and that had nothing to do with the fact that she really wanted to be with a woman. Right. That even that thought, she realized that thought was really kind of nauseating to her, but she wanted to be honest with her husband. And when he, and when she explained it all to him, he said, not only am I not offended by it, I can totally see the connection between what you experienced at 14 and how that would impact, you know, your psyche right. as a 31 year old married woman. Right. But he said, I also promise I will protect you from that. And I will never take advantage of that. Right. I will never ask you to look at lesbian porn. I will never try to get a threesome going with another woman who's like, I realize that this is only a fantasy that compartmentalizes your pain to make room for pleasure. Cause I had taught him that, Yeah. but he said, we do not need to ever, ever, ever go down that path because I know it would create more pain than alleviate it. Well, and that's, that's the biggest struggle is because I think most times um, as spouses, whenever our partner brings something up, we take it personal, we take it. And that's where we flip out. And that's what feeds into our fear of sharing some of those things with our partner, doesn't it? They're going to take it so personally. Right. Because if I'm going to bring up something that's a fantasy, which is typically going to then be sexual, you know, that's what, if that's who I share this with, as far as that aspect of my life, well, then it's very easy to take that leap to, oh, well, I, now I can't fulfill it. Now I can't, whatever. And so it's so terrifying sometimes to bring those things up. And that's where I love the idea of if you can go through that process first with somebody else and then somebody else that helps you coach with your partner, 
to let him realize this is not a personal attack. This is not about you. You know, this, this is about something else. And how can you be an ally in this rather than this is something you're not fulfilling or you're, you know, it speaks to your deepest insecurity. See, I, I think that that is a very important key that we cannot come at our spouses saying, well, because you don't do this in me, this is these are the fantasies that I'm having. This right. is your fault. No, this is your projection. Right. This is your projection. You have to take ownership of it. But it is okay to say, I think that this is most likely rooted in something that I lacked in my childhood and that when you talk to me this way or when yeah. you don't do this for me, it kind of feeds into that storyline that I'm no good, yeah. that I don't make good use of my time, that I don't have gifts and talents, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And if you could treat me this way, maybe I could tell myself a different story long enough to experience that orgasm without feeling the need to fantasize in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think? Well, and, and on a completely different subject, I just, I'm thinking of a client I had that um, she was raised by an alcoholic father and is married to a guy that drinks, but he's not an alcoholic, but he, he does drink. Um, does that and, trigger her? Absolutely. And so she, her biggest complaint is we can never have any kind of conversations because when she walks in and sees a drink in his hand, she immediately thinks, oh, well, we can't ever have a conversation. So she disconnects and moves on to something else. And so I called her out in the session of, wait, you're just as much a fault of why you're not having a conversation because you take his holding something that's an alcoholic beverage as a, oh, well, this will not work. When in reality, how do you know that? That's not was, about you. It's her projection of childhood. It's her projection exactly. of She's stuff. She's projecting her daddy issues right. onto him. Right. And so it's it, recognizing, okay, wait, I still need to be willing to recognize this is not about me. This is not something that's recreating itself necessarily. What if I can, because that's, that's where I believe in this idea of we can deal with our present much better and retroactively take care of our past by dealing with our present better. Say that again. <laughs> well, I think that's the reality. It's our past plays out in the present. Mm -hmm. So if I can either, I can go Freudian and do psychoanalysis for weeks on end and free associate to get to all the meanings that are going on with my past. All right, that works. It worked, it worked for years, but I'm not a big advocate of it. It's, there's a better right. way to go. To me, it's how is my past interrupting my present? So if I change the way I deal with my present, I will retroactively start to take, take care of my past. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the same so thing as your... That's why marriage is so healing. That's why that's marriage is why, the people growing machine that it is. Mm -hmm. And that's why healthy, vibrant sex within marriage can be so healing. Yeah. Is that it literally, it opens up pathways in your brain that compartmentalizes that pain and makes room for pleasure. And it says something to you that you are worthy of attention, of affection, yeah. of pleasure, of connection. It makes you feel like a worthy member of the human race right. to be wanted and desired by your partner sexually well the beautiful thing is is that we can go deeper within a marriage that what we're doing together sexually and otherwise we can attach a meaning to it too because that's where we start to change the whole dynamic to me that's where i think you change your fantasy that's where you heal your past you heal your childhood trauma and wounds is whenever i can attach a meaning to it that's the let me go back to this, the, the trip that we just came back from. You know, we, we did 
four weeks of very simple living in a 32-foot camper, you know, in, in different locations, but everything we needed was in that little place. We took a little 24-hour detour in the middle of it and went to Vegas, <laughs> which was, yeah, we'd never been there. So I was like, let's go. We're right here. <laughs> we'll unhook. We'll find a place to store the camper. We'll drive in. We'll spend the night in a hotel and we'll leave. When I left that place, I looked at Pam and I said, you know what? This whole place that where we were is all about pleasure. There is no meaning going on here. That's very deeper, hedonistic pleasure. That's deeper than that, than just pleasure. Right. And, and I, I look at, yeah, if I'm just seeking things in my life that are just for pleasure, that's feeding on frosting. If that's the way I think of it. Yeah. Cause it never satisfies. It never fills you up. It just makes you fat and gluttonous. Yeah, stick to your stomach <laughs> so, after so much of it. Right. But if I can have meaning attached to what I'm doing that's associated with that pleasure, I change it. And that's that's the difference. Because the rest of the trip we had, the meaning we had attached to our trip was to spend time as a family, check. See God's creation, check. Expose the kids to a whole lot more than Collin County, Dallas, Texas, check. You know, <laughs> and... And so we got all those things that was a whole lot of meaning attached to it because it was an adventure. It wasn't just, oh, let's just go see what we can do, which is, which is kind of what Vegas was. And fortunately for me, I told you off air, my son was sick for the 24 hours we were there with this 24-hour fever, which meant he and I never really left the hotel room, which, I'm, which kind of, good I'm kind of glad because there's a lot of stuff going on in the streets of Vegas I don't need to see, and he for sure doesn't need to see. So yep. that was kind of a good thing that yeah. his, his virus went away the day, the moment we left the state. You know, I think that that is very telling, very <laughs> indicative. Yeah. That, that city does seem to be very spiritually sick in many, many ways. You feel yeah. like you need a shower when you leave yeah. there. But, but yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I completely agree that when we look for the meaning in our right. fantasy, that that is the key to unlock the mystery and to make peace with it. Because yeah. Like going back to that uh, girl who lost her sister when she was 14. Right. Uh, I asked her, you know, she had fasted, she had prayed, she had begged God to remove this fantasy from her and it was never successful. And I asked her, are you going to be mad at God if on this side of heaven, you're never free of this, that this is the thought you have to entertain in order to experience an orgasm. She said, I know when I get on the other side of heaven, I will be healed. But she said, in the meantime, just knowing where this comes from, what it means, and that it doesn't mean that that's who I really am or what I even want, that that's enough to just set me free. That right. she could harness, she could learn to harness the energy that it creates and enjoy the feeling that results, but know that she does not ever have to act out on it in order to scratch any sort of itch or anything. Right. That that the, the itch is being scratched just for the purpose that it serves in compartmentalizing the pain of having such a traumatic loss in her life and the pleasure that she was experiencing with her husband was more than satisfying. She, she was having great orgasms with her husband. She was just embarrassed and mortified about what she thought she was entertaining to get there. But when right. she understood the meaning of it, the role that it played and minimized the role, the power that she was going to let it have in her life, then it just, it's like a beach ball. You just let it rest on the surface of the water. You don't try to force it down. Right. You don't let it explode way up into the air. Right. You just let it rest and just enjoy the energy. So you want to hear something uh, very interesting that Margie said at the end of the conversation? Yes. Okay. So once she started figuring out that, yes, the, her fantasies actually did serve a role 
And it wasn't the fact that she had a fantasy that was crossing the line. It was what she did with it. It was her projection onto an actual person and then acting out with that person that that was when she stepped over the line. She did admit that she is at the point in their marriage that she is ready for more sexual adventure. And she says that I suspect that my husband is fearful that he might feel the need to keep a lid on my adventure level just to keep me from ever acting out again. Right. And, and, and she's grieving that loss. She's wishing that he could trust her again. And she said that she, that he has admitted that he actually has some fantasies that he has, but he, he's not ready to share them. And she said, my deepest longing is for him to get to the place where he can trust me with those fantasies and trust himself that we can enjoy them and yeah. enjoy the create the the power that it creates but not fear that it's going to dominate our lives and ruin things right. all over again right so the message that she wanted to send loud and clear to everybody is the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence she looked through a heterosexual relationship she looked through a homosexual relationship she wound up back in her marriage relationship praise god and she's just here to say that no matter what you fantasize about the reality is always better than the fantasy if you let it be right if you let it be yeah and that's that's where if you if you take the time to grow and to confront the things that those might be revealing that's when reality becomes even better and to trust your partner i mean for two people to be married to each other and to be able to confess and confide their innermost longings and cravings and fantasies and desires that is intimacy <laughs> don't be afraid of that yeah. that's intimacy well it, to me that starts with a trust of self that that i can handle me better that i can that i can take these thoughts captive and not act on them but yes. i can share them and it's not an indictment my my partner's not going to run from it well they might but you know I can still handle it if they do. And right. Because that's the whole thing. That trust is so interesting that I want to trust my partner with that. But in reality, if I don't trust myself first, I can't trust them with it. That's a really great point. So I've got to lurk. I've got to realize this is about me and self-discovery and self-validation and identity. Yeah. And the more I'll do that, the better I can be in my marriage and my life. The more authentic your lovemaking yep. will be. The Perfect. more emotionally present, the more mentally present you will be, even in the act of making yep. love. Perfect. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio, where, hey, I, I, I enjoyed this because I watched the email exchange going on between yeah. you and Margie, and I was like, oh, this is an interesting discussion. So this is, I'm glad this was the unpacked more because we, we want to hear from you. Feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com if there's something we've talked about that has not been clear. So let us know. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, make it a great one. God bless you. Love you for listening.